From Outside Magazine and PRX, this is the Outside Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for making the time this morning. Oh, it's my pleasure. I love what you do. <laughs> good to meet you. Thank you so much. You, <laughs> you too. And uh, I appreciate you hosting me here. It's pretty spectacular. Yeah. Uh, it's like working in a park. Yeah, it literally it is like working in a park. This is Michael Roberts, host of The Outside Podcast. And today, we're going to take a walk around Apple Park with Tim Cook. Earlier in the fall, Apple had invited me to their headquarters in Cupertino, California, to speak with Cook, the CEO since 2011. Our conversation took place several weeks after the Apple product event where they introduced Series 6 of the Apple Watch. The headline news was the addition of a blood oxygen sensor. The slogan for the device, according to one promotional video, the future of health is on your wrist. The other big announcement at the event was the launch of Fitness Plus, a subscription-based service that will offer guided studio workouts streamed to Apple devices by mid-December. It marks a significant step for the company. They are jumping into the rapidly expanding online training space in a major way. Tim Cook, who is a fitness obsessive and a bit of a nature nerd, who regularly reads Outside Magazine, was interested in speaking with me about Apple's commitment to creating products that improve our health, as well as Apple's environmental initiatives, his love for America's national parks, and even how we can all learn to put away our devices and just be outside. Apple Park, which is more than 80% green space and has some 9,000 trees, is in fact a really good place to talk about all this. I mean, we were sitting here, you missed it a few minutes ago. It was, oh, there he is. There's a red-tailed hawk sitting on top oh, of the yeah. tree there. Yeah. Um, so obviously it's it's working. I don't know. We were joking if you've staged some deer to run out on the path as, <laughs> as we walk along. But is that was that the is that kind of the way to think of it? Is a is a sort of to bring the the outside in right. and the inside out, right. and so people can uh, many people do they work outside mm-hmm. and they find you know places where maybe for solitude at sometimes and maybe for group kind of things in a in our pre-pandemic world anyway right. uh, it'll be fairly quiet today when we walk in because yeah. we only have about 15 percent right. give or take of the folks working everybody else is remote but the the idea of having a home like this in the valley mm-hmm. was just unheard of yeah. you know most people did the skyscraper right. kind of thing or or the typical corporate campus of all these buildings where people never left their building, right. so to speak. With some vision there of, of efficiency, right? Let's work. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, it is very much uh, that old mindset was not around collaboration at all. And so we wanted to build a place where people would sort of run into each other. And in a circle, it's that is that is the design point. Right. Right. As far as the park goes, and, and you were speaking about how people engage with it, I'm I'd be curious to hear like how let's pretend it's it's not two thousand twenty COVID times. Yeah. What does it look like normally if I'm standing here or walking around, what am I seeing? Like how are how is the community of Apple employees engaging with this outdoor space. You would see uh, people riding bikes along here to get to one meeting to another. You would see people walking. You would see some people exercising, you know, running and so forth, because it's a two and a half mile track around the place. Mm-hmm. And so you put in a couple of, of laps in and you've got, a, you've got a good workout for the day. And you would see people sitting as we get into the, the inner circle uh, you would see people sort of spread out and working along tables and over near the pond. Some people alone, some people with groups. Mm-hmm. What about you? Because you're a sort of, I think I'll say notoriously busy <laughs> CEO. <laughs> so when it gets up early and maybe the last guy to turn out the lights every night, this space is 150 acres, you know, and it, it really is. It's pretty incredible just staring at it. What does this like literally and personally mean to you? And how do you 
How do you use this space? This is like working in a national park yeah. for me. And it provides that kind of feeling. And so, you know, we all operate on inspiration and motivation and you find yours somewhere. Mm -hmm. And the only difference between people is generally what level of, what, how inspired they are and how motivated they are to do different things. And so nature really inspires me and motivates me as it does the bulk of the people here. Mm -hmm. And if you were to go inside the offices, you would see conference rooms named after national parks. Right. Right? right? Yeah. I, I'm right around the corner from the Grand Canyon yeah. uh, room. Which, which, right. which follows what you do with operating system names, too, yeah, in absolutely. recent history. You know, so absolutely. So here's the question then. Yeah. You have this incredible outdoor space. You have people who are inspired by nature. I wonder if Apple, I don't know if it's official or, or unofficial policy, how you encourage your employees to spend time here, whether it's, you know, because it's one thing to go for a bike ride and you're staring mm -hmm. at your watch and you're closing some activity loops. Yeah. And it's quite an, and it's another thing to take an outdoor conference call or, or meet with a group of people. And it's another thing to say, hey, everyone, make sure you spend some time out there and just like, don't bring any devices. Yeah. Like leave, is, is that something that Apple consciously does or is it something that you think people are just choosing to do here on their own? It's a combination of the two. I mean, we even have um, monthly activity challenges across the whole of the company okay. to try to get people outside, get people moving, get people exercising. They form teams informally and they compete. Okay. Uh, and so we do little things like that that, that plant the seed. We have uh, one cafe essentially in the building. And so everybody, you, you have a certain amount of activity just to get to the cafe. We have a couple of outdoor kind of cafes, but the big cafe, there's one. Right. Everybody goes to the same place. The restrooms are a reasonable distance from right. people's areas force them to where walk. they're working. You force yeah. them to walk. You have little coffee bars where people congregate. And, and these things not only get people moving, but they provide that serendipitous kind of uh, discussion and collision of ideas right. that, that bring out innovation. Yeah. And, well, I was, and I was just asking about the idea of encouraging people to maybe not take devices with them on a walk because we yeah. all know what it's like, yeah. whether you're on the street or even in, you know, in a park where it just changes the relationship to the space. And this is really special. I mean, the, yeah. the investment here by Apple in the natural landscaping is it's extraordinary. It is. And so you think about like, okay, this is here. How are we choosing to engage with it? And how are we encouraging, you know, even just your office community here to engage? With it? Last month, we are actually this month, it's going on right now. We have a meditation uh, challenge where people are being motivated to, to meditate. There's no better meditation than in my view, walking out in nature, yeah, you know, is the ultimate meditation for right. me. Right. Uh, and so, again, lots of small things like that that get people thinking, and and hopefully they're applying that in their own lives too. Right. Not just while they're at work, but when they're away as well. Well, what about if we expand it from you and? employees here to the users of your products yeah. because I think we all know one of the great challenges of our time is finding ways to really escape to step yeah. away from it all yeah. and a lot of that has to do because if you have an iPhone with you it's like the whole world is in your hand you know yeah. it's, it's all a window there to the world. it is and it's it's a portal to the world and so you can be just about anywhere and the world comes and grabs you, or you are drawn by this force to yeah. engage with it. So as you know, the CEO of a tech company, which people depend on your products for to engage with that world, do you feel a responsibility to those users, just like you do to your employees, to help them learn how and when to disconnect? Very much so. We've we think very deeply about all the things that we create, about how they're going to be used, how they're going to be used in scale, the great ways they'll be used, but also the not so great ways that they can be used. And so an example of that would be screen time, 
right? We, we, we do not want people using our products too much. Right. We want to, to create them in such a way people get the most out of them in short periods of time to free themselves up to do whatever it is that they want to do. Mm-hmm. And, and so screen time was a way of making all of us aware of how much time we're spending in our technology. And I think, in, including for me personally, it was my, my estimates versus the reality were very different. And do you have I, any numbers you remember? <laughs> Oh, they were high. <laughs> they were high. I was a, but, but what I did, though, so the action I took was I started asking myself, why do I need all these notifications? Right. Why do I really need this? Uh, do I really need to understand things in the moment that they're happening? And, you know, and I started taking a Medex out to some of these things that would grab my attention but didn't need to in the in the moment mm-hmm. so to free me up to to do other things and and so yeah I learned like I think like probably most people underestimate how much they're using sure. it and we, we've never designed our products to to dominate people's lives that's not never been our purpose and it's not our business right our business is to give people tools that enrich their lives and allow them to create something that they couldn't create or do something, or, 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 you know, sort of transform themselves in some sort of way. Uh, we've never been into this. Uh, how how long is somebody spending on our property? And let's try to figure out a way to make that as high as possible. And yeah. how many clicks can we get? We, we're not into that business model. Right. But it is. The thing is, the tool is so impressive, and the design is so alluring, and. So that's one part of it. You know, we're naturally sort of people pick it up. It's yeah. it's why you know we see people have you, know, you find that moment of boredom and what do people do? They they lean into a device and and so that challenge of helping your users yeah. have that healthy relationship, I would suggest that we are still figuring that out and not. I think just there's Apple, more to but, do. Yeah. I think there's more to do. And you know, another example of things that we do is we give parental controls. Right. So for those people that are, are helping address their kids, it's a proactive way for them to have not only a conversation, but also to put some rules of the road in. Mm-hmm. And, and so we, we have thought deeply about each of these, and we continue to do it. We're not saying we've arrived, right. we've got all the answers today. Uh, we innovate there just like we innovate with the latest camera system. and. Yeah. Uh, the latest watch and, yeah. and so forth. Sometimes I feel like that, because I use screen time too, yep. and I noticed right away, I was like, oh man, you know, I'm doom scrolling a little on the New York Times here. <laughs> like, I gotta stop this, and oh, I just got pulled into another random evening of Instagram, get me out of here. Um, but I had an experience recently that I think got to me the, the challenge of this, which is I was hiking with my family in Point Reyes National Seashore, but it was oh, like three weeks beautiful. ago. It's beautiful. Yeah. Took the phone, threw it in the pack, we're just with the kids, my wife and I, but I forgot to put do not, do not disturb on. Oh, and so like a few yeah. hours into the hike, you know, there's not a lot of connectivity out there, yeah. but all of a sudden I guess recept- I got some reception and I, I heard and felt the buzz in my pack. And it was like in that moment, everything I had been escaping, work concerns, the news, uh, it was all just, it was with, I was carrying it emotionally and, and psychologically. And I was upset with myself for forgetting and I had that challenge we all have where I didn't grab the phone, I didn't take it out, but there was this gnawing feeling in my head of like, mm-hmm. what is that? Did I, did I ever get to do something for work? You know, <laughs> is something a matter? And it took a real effort to quell that. And yeah. to me, that just gets at this challenge and in my sense of how early we are on that part of this. I mean, the iPhone's been around since, what, it's, it's relatively new in our relationship to 2007. Yeah, 13 years. Yeah. So that's, it's a, you know, it's, we're still babies in terms of dealing with this, but to me that, punctuated just how challenging it is because I hear I had the best intentions I was out in nature I hid the phone away but I just forgot and I was like someone should help me solve this you know Apple Mm. help you know like where's the app that senses that I'm in a wild place and automatically turns off everything but emergency you know I don't know but it just gets it the the real difficulty of that challenge and how much of that is 
a technological challenge and a design challenge? How much is that a like social, cultural, psychological, and where Apple fits into all that? I know when I'm out in nature, I feel so small in right. the in the scheme of things that my uh, issues of the day or whatever become fractions. Right. And then the beauty of nature takes over and is is so dominant in my my thinking that it's like a it's like a palate cleanser for the mind. Right. Yeah. It's it's the ultimate meditation for me. Where I'd love to hear. I mean, obviously you yeah. can do that. We could sit here right and have that experience. I mean, yeah. especially with your you know relatively empty office. This is this is the <laughs> national park. It is. Um, besides here, I don't know how much. Time. We can start walking yeah, okay. to this part too. Yeah. I, you know, again, you're busy, very busy individual, and clearly you're expressing a, an appreciation for being outside and being in natural places. It's it's rejuvenating, mind clearing. But like, how often do you actually get to do that? And like, where do you go and what do you do if you're able to share? I love to go to national parks. That is my go-to. I religiously go to some every year. This year has been a, a bad exception to that. I had reservations at Glacier uh, for the end of June, and obviously that didn't happen. They, they clo- I actually even closed the, yeah. the hotel there and closed that section of the park. But um, I think they are, uh, as someone really smart said, America's best idea. And uh, who was that? Wallace Stegner, I think. I, uh, I actually, boy, I should really know that. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm freezing in the moment, but. It wasn't Ken Burns who. No, no he used <laughs> it. He used it. And he used right. it effectively, I might Yeah, let's, let's, let's <laughs> at least not credit him. <laughs> you know, so you have a personal relationship to national parks and a real, yeah. you know, passion point there. And Apple has been supporting national parks through the National Parks Foundation youth programs for, I think it's four years now. Yeah, and sounds right. We do this thing with Apple Pay every year. Right, right. Uh, yeah, it's like $10 for every purchase, and it's, yeah. it raises a significant sum of money. And, of course, you named an operating system after Yosemite, which, as I understand yeah. it, may have sent a surge of people to Yosemite that year. <laughs> but to get back to what we were talking about yeah. before, one of the issues the National Parks faces right now is people taking their cell phones and going to the edges of cliffs mm. and the tops of mountains and the you know sides of raging rivers so that they can get selfies for Instagram and Facebook. And this is, you know, something that people are concerned about these days. You know, I mean this is this is the the Netflix documentary Social Dilemma that everyone's talking about right now mm-hmm. gets at the mental health issues of social media. And Apple's not a social media company. No. But a lot of those people going to national parks and taking those photos, you know, they're using iPhones. And so I don't know if you feel that's an issue that Apple can address, should address, have the capability to address. Well, my advice to everyone that goes to a national park is to leave your selfie stick behind and leave your... Uh, desire to get that perfect selfie behind and and just soak in the beauty of of the park itself and because that will stay with you a lot longer than this selfie kind of <laughs> mode will uh, I worry about uh, that and other things that uh, particularly come out of social media like bullying and mm-hmm the misinformation and the list is long and even violence that are are coming out and we do try to do things to to get at this you know from the way we review apps and and put some curation in in our properties so that we're not feeding this kind of environment whether that's apple news where you can get information from trusted sources or curating the app store where we're not allowing on there uh, certain apps that totally are trafficking and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I agree that it's a difficult, it is a difficult issue. And 
The way that we've always viewed our responsibility is that as a platform owner, that we have the responsibility of how the product is used and, and not just to throw something out there and see how it's used right. and see what the implications of it are. Um, and, but everybody doesn't have that frame of mind, unfortunately. And so, but, but we definitely advocate for the world to move closer to, to where we are. Right. Where it gets to what I was suggesting before is the nature of the challenge, the question to me is, is what Apple does so well, how do you address that challenge? Because it's, it's, it's not an easy one. I mean, the, you know, I don't know if there's the ecosystem around iPhone and all the other devices, maybe there's ways to alter that mm -hmm. that you've spoken of. But, but I have another question too, yeah. which is... By the you, way, these are fruit trees. Yeah. As we start uh, getting closer here, you'll see plums moving, in, or pears rather, moving into apples. There are plums in another area. Okay. And, and it, we, these are for the employees. Right. We take ask. them to our cafe and give them away. And we have about 800 fruit trees in the, on the campus. <laughs> and they're like, from May to January, they're constantly uh, harvesting going on. Mm -hmm. You, you were talking before about telling people they should leave the selfie sticks at home. How often do you, uh, somebody tells me you may not even use a selfie stick. I uh, don't. <laughs> I've never used one. <laughs> but how often are you able in your life, and it maybe it only happens when you go to national parks, but I'd be curious if there are other moments where you are really able to just completely disconnect and, and, and make that conscious choice as something you do for yourself. When I, I, I'm religious about exercising. For, for me, it's the thing that keeps stress at bay. Mm -hmm. And because I can't go to a national park every day, right. unfortunately. Uh, although this is a, this is a close, uh, as close as I get on a daily basis. But when I exercise, I, the only thing I'm using is the watch to record my workout. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm off grid for, for that period of time, and I'm religious about doing that, uh, regardless of what may be going on at the time. Uh -huh. How often are you, because you, know, you reportedly exercise, I don't know, every day, most days, how integral is watch and activity and, and the workouts to that exercise, you know, how, how, and how was it, you know, how has that played out for you? It's significant for me because I like, I like a true north, okay. so to speak. I yeah. want to know what I'm doing, yeah. not what I think I'm doing. Okay. Because I can always convince myself I'm doing more than I really am, <laughs> just like I can convince myself I'm using the products less. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and so for me, it's a motivator, you know, the, the idea of closing these rings. We, we all know intuitively and now with research that physical activity and, and exercise is like a key part of your longevity or quality of life and, and, and so forth. And so I, I really want that for myself and having the watch there to motivate me, I can choose whatever Pretty much every workout known to man is in there now. We've got a Fitness Plus product that's coming, yeah. so it democratizes personal training in a way that people can have access to some of the world's best trainers. That'll be coming out later in the year. We're really excited about doing that. And then in addition, what the watch provides is this sort of a guardian of your health as well, because it's constantly monitoring your heart. Mm -hmm. uh, you, can you can do an ECG at the, at the moment's notice. So it's right. sort of democratized this thing that maybe people had once every many years, but most people never had an ECG. Yeah. You know, and, and so we've, we've done step by step we've added increasing function to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're, we're continuing to sort of push the boundaries there of what can happen. And we, we've got also many people enrolled in different research projects. Right. 
and we have democratized research in a way as well by having much larger constituents that are able to participate because a lot of people do want to help but they don't know how right and now they can opt in make conscious decisions to to take part in that there's 400,000 people in a heart study this is 400,000 these numbers are just blow away it used to be for research you would go to the bulletin board and pick a number off of and they were lucky to get 10 to 20 kind of participants yeah so there's two sides of that one is the opportunity for the researchers which is mass data sets and maybe the metrics you know compared to a clinical setting people can make some choice about precision but that's overwhelmed by the numbers and the participation rates the other side is actually your users and I wonder if you think that that's actually an attraction to your users that they have a chance to contribute and trust Apple's privacy and security but to contribute to these studies, if you see that as actually in a, you know, something that you're offering your users. I think it is, because I think inherently we all do want to help other people. Mm-hmm. And regardless if we think it's going to accrue ourselves or not, and this is a way for people to do that, a way for them to participate in something bigger than themselves and, and somehow uh, push forward humanity in some kind of way. Yeah. You know, I started getting, years ago, when we first came out with the watch, I, surprisingly, it's not something we predicted, I started getting notes from somebody saying, I found out I have a major problem with my heart, and I wouldn't have known to go to the doctor had it not been for the watch. And these started first trickling in, and then it was like a faucet of coming in. And so we wound up adding AFib, detection right right? we added the ECG function and all of these things are democratizing and allowing someone to own their health Mm -hmm. in a way that they were not able to do before Mm -hmm. you know you probably used a chest strap for you right we triathlon training like 15 years ago right we we put those gross (laughs) things on and uh, you know they would get nasty and all the rest of it but very few people would do that and you'd never do it for your whole day. Right. You know, you just wouldn't even think about it. And now all of a sudden, you're being monitored continually. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is huge. Yeah. Well, and how it, it, the way you describe that process of a few messages and then the flood, yeah. it begs a question about your design and innovation process, yeah. which is creating tools because you believe you know what people are going to need And then on the other side, creating tools that have capabilities and you have a sense of what people need, but you're not sure what's going to come of it. Which best describes what's played out with Watch in particular? It's a combination. Uh, We thought it was a big idea to continually monitor the heart. What we didn't necessarily predict was it was all of these cases were going to come out of it where the person told us, I would have not been here any longer. Do you get that? You know, do you understand this has been life-changing for me and and so after the first few of those you realize that there's something here and you start pulling that string further then and that pulling that string further led to to AFib it led to ECG Uh, it led to uh, putting uh, essentially control limits around your heart where if it goes too low you get a notification if it gets too high you get a notification and so all of these things in service of the the user, the customer, so that they can own their own their health in a way that they haven't been able to mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah, and now you have blood oxygen sensor at a time when this is an issue yeah. you know, because of COVID. Yeah, and uh, I'm already getting notes on that as well. That one more predictably because of what's going on right. at, at the at the moment. Right. But it's been. Uh, it's been an interesting journey, and I, I've said this before, and I, I really believe that if you sort of zoom out to the future and you look back and you ask, what is Apple's greatest contribution been? It will be in the health area, right. the wellness and health area. Fascinating, fascinating. Um, so, okay, so if we look at where we're at now with health, if you just go by the new Series 6 Apple Watch commercial. Yeah. The, the theme of that commercial is it already does that. Right? That's, <laughs> that's what we learn. Watching. It does all these things. It's all, the future is now. 
But what it suggests is that in terms of sensors and tracking and metrics, that it really already does that and that perhaps the great challenge you get ahead is not adding some new sensing capability to the watch, that maybe we're getting close to maxing out there, that the challenge ahead is figuring out exactly what we can really get out of this information and how to look at this data and how to process it and how to use all of it to continue to make this an instrument to improve people's lives. Is that is that right on the trajectory or you're like, oh no, there's a no, whole bunch of sensors coming? I would say uh, never discount the, the amount of innovation that can be in the future. Uh, we've got things going on in our labs that are mind-blowing that in, in some that we know will change, some that we're still pulling that string on to tr try to figure out uh, how to do certain things. And so there's a ton of innovation left to go there. I, I would say, to use a baseball analogy since we're in the World Series, uh, are about to be, uh, we're in the early innings. <laughs> I think we're in the early innings. I mean, think about it, think about the amount of sensors in your car. Right. And arguably your body is much more important than your car. Yeah, arguably, you know? yeah. <laughs> and, and so I think there's, I think there's many, many other things. This is so cool. When I, when I do something like um, uh, our quarterly earnings call, after the earnings call, I come out here. Okay, so this is a pond. I'm forgetting this, does it have a, a title, like the Ripple Pond, is that right? Or uh, It's a You pond. can call it what you want. <laughs> you can call it what you want. But the, the sound of it and the look, is unbelievable. And in a normal day, you were asking me about a normal day, you would see people scattered all around on these benches here. Yeah, just the, the sound itself makes these big, big problems and big challenges of the day seem so small. No throwing coins. <laughs> no, we don't, you don't see any coins in there. Well, nobody has any money here. It, we, we use Apple Pay. That's right. It's all digital. After the break, Tim Cook talks about Apple's entrance into online fitness coaching, as well as the company's responses to the pandemic and its environmental initiatives. We also dig back into the challenge of learning how to have better relationships with our devices. If you're a regular listener to this show, I have a suggestion. Subscribe to the print edition of Outside Magazine. For more than 40 years, we've been telling stories with one goal in mind, to inspire active participation in the world outside your door. Each issue of the magazine contains the best in long-form literary journalism, remarkable images from the world's top photographers, plus trusted advice on gear, travel, sports, and fitness. Now more than ever, Outside Magazine is the essential guide to a more active life. Our print edition is also the engine behind everything we do on this show. Your subscription helps fund our most ambitious storytelling projects. Outside podcast listeners get a special rate on subscriptions at outsideonline.com slash podcast offer. That's outsideonline.com slash podcast offer. Get outside. There's no place like it. So more on fitness here. Yeah. Obviously, you mentioned Fitness Plus yeah. coming later this year. To me, I see there a pretty fundamental step being taken by Apple in that you're really getting in a business of fitness content. And... But what I mean by that is you're actually, you have real life coaches and trainers and their personalities and their approach to fitness is, you know, this is representation of Apple now. And to me that creates a, it's a different relationship with your users. You know, these are the people you're putting forward. You're actually leading people through training sessions in a different way. Do you see that as a, as a big a step as I think it is? And, and how excited are you about 
having Apple trainers and coaches that are able to reach you know, millions of people? In a way, we've been in this business of coaching. It's just we've been coaching about something else because retail is very much like that, right? If you go in a retail store, the, the thing that you're most likely to be looking for is help. Help to uh, create something, help to learn something, uh, maybe even have an issue. Uh, but, but the last thing you're probably doing is buying something. And so retail is probably not the right name for, for what it is we've built there because there's so much learning that goes on and discovery and exploration that is going on. And so in a way, what fitness is doing is taking that into the wellness space, mm -hmm. right? that same sort of coaching, of learning, of exploration, and, and providing, just like my, my view is we have the best people in the world working in our retail store, interfacing with our customers, we're gonna try to do the same thing with fitness. Yeah. And so, for we've had workouts on the watch, but you've had to invent them yourself. Right. Now we're taking and we're extending that to helping you create. Yeah. and helping you explore. You may, you know, hopefully we'll get people to get out of their genre and look at other alternate things because they can do it so simply. Mm -hmm. And then maybe they go back, maybe they expand their universe a bit. Yeah, but you're also really humanizing it. We are. It's different. We are. You know, if you look back at where some of these trends and arcs have been charted, you look at like something like Soul Cycle. Yeah. And, and the now the movement of that kind of thing to digital platforms. And people get obsessed with their trainers. You know, they, yeah. They, yeah. They, they, you know we all know yeah. what that's like when you find someone who can help make a difference in your life. Yeah. And so that's what I was saying before where I feel like it's a real deepening and transitioning of a relationship that takes it to, you know, honestly, it feels like a more intimate level. It's a broadening. Okay. It's a broadening because that, the, what you're describing we have through our stores today with many, many users. I mean, the, the note, I've told you about notes I get uh, about people's health and finding out something there. The other uh, very popular thing I get is notes describing what, how a person made them feel that they had met in retail. How someone was able to, to demonstrate a way to do something that they didn't know before you know, to learn yeah. something that they didn't know before. And so, in a way, this personal touch is now expanded or will, will expand into Fitness Plus as well. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about retail and that personal one-on-one -on -one action, which yeah. here we are in 2020, you know, you have to talk about COVID and COVID. its impact. Yeah. So, obviously, yeah. one of the impacts on your business has been, you know, retail. and like so many companies, Apple had to make a number of sudden changes to the way you run your entire yeah. company. I wonder though, if over this period of time that we've been living with this crisis now, if there's also been, you know, maybe a larger reckoning where it makes you step back and think about what your products and what Apple can just do for its users and how it may be, even as hopefully, and, you know, over the next year as we begin to emerge from the crisis, if, if there's been any big shifts in thinking, wait, this made us step back and think more about how we relate to our users and what our role is in their lives. With, with uh, COVID, we ask ourselves continually, how could we help, right? And not, not just how can we continue uh, working and, and so forth. We had to reinvent ourselves there yeah. too. But how can we help? And, and we've, we did things like uh, we, we designed a face shield. We designed a face shield because we knew that we're pretty good at design and we're pretty good at manufacturing and scale. And we'd never known, we'd never done a face shield before, but we thought, you know, we can, take some folks that uh, are curious about this and we can do something really cool. And so we did that, we donated tens of millions of them. We took our supply chain uh, folks and said, 
let's go source some masks because PPE was a crisis mm -hmm. at the mm -hmm. beginning, if you remember. We were in crisis mode and we have people in so many countries in the world and we were able to cobble together a supply chain for masks and we wound up donating almost 40 million of them. Right. Uh, sourcing and donating, logistically moving them with the, with the knowledge that we had in the supply chain. We never, we didn't know anything about masks, so we had to learn in a hurry. Um, and so we, we just kept doing that. We asked ourselves what we could do on contact tracing and in sort of exposure notification and decided, you know, we should work with Google on this because the sum of both of us touch so many more people and it would make the it would make the end product much better and so we we went and worked with Google on this and that contact tracing now is in the process of rolling out to most states in the United States and is the in the heart of contact tracing in many countries um, so how do some of those lessons and initiatives and, and choices like working with Google yeah how do, how much do you you know take that with you as you march forward and again as we begin to move potentially past this crisis yeah. over the next year hopefully what kind of value and, and what specific lessons do you hold on to and say this is we learned something from this crisis at Apple we're learners we never th we're very humble and have a great deal of humility and never think we've arrived at anything and so we're always taking in both how the world is changing and, um, you know, things that we've learned about ourselves that we didn't know about. And so we're going to take all these things forward. Um, you know, the one, one thing that has come out in, in, in a negative way uh, that we've reacted to is is climate change, mm -hmm. and you know, you, I saw that you live in the wine country, and of course, well, in that direction, in that direction, <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, all the fires that have been here, right, and in the south where I'm from, the hurricanes have just mm -hmm. been terrible, uh, and you see see these once in a hundred year things happening now, annually, or even more so than than annually. And so we, we looked at this and said, so what can we do? And lots of users want to do things. Mm -hmm. We looked at this and said, what we need to do, we've, we've been running Apple on 100% renewable energy for a couple of years or so. This whole site is run on solar and fuel cell. And we looked at this and said, you know, we need to take responsibility for the electricity usage that our products use after they're sold. Okay. And we need to take responsibility over the whole of our supply chain, regardless of whether we're doing it ourselves or somebody else is doing it. And we're gonna take the sum of all of this to carbon neutral by 2030. This is like 20 years faster than the Paris Agreement um, set, set targets and so forth. And we couldn't be more excited to, to do that. And we're, we're doing it not only for us, but for our users as well. Mm -hmm. Well, it is. I mean, you know, you're, you shifted crises on me, but I was going to talk about oh, that sorry. one too. No, that's sorry okay. That. Because that's the reality of our world right now, is we are facing multiple crises converging to making things really challenging. And climate change and the health of our planet is is a you know massive crisis and you spoke about the energy usage piece of that but one of the challenges i would think for apple is just you know because again there's clearly an environmental ethos here it's, yeah. it's huge and there's yeah. been a number of investments and in, uh green initiatives and and in the making of your products i know that there's an effort to use or a real commitment to using um recycled source materials, reclaiming source materials from used yeah. devices. But at the end of the day, these are still devices that people hold on to for what I would argue is a relatively short period of time. You know, if you have a phone and you want to get the new one, I don't know, you know, you can put years on it, two years, four years, mm -hmm. something like that. 
And you wonder just on that level, like as, as you've said, you're pretty good at design. And I wonder, is it possible to reach for something like the 15-year iPhone, you know, one that you buy? Because you, sometimes you think of, uh, and I think of it with a watch too, where there's the kind of watch you inherit from grandma or grandpa, and then there's the kind of watch we use now. And obviously grandpa's watch just told time, so th right. it's a different product. But that, it's kind of the ultimate design challenge, I feel like, is, a, mm -hmm. is a, creating a product with all these capabilities that is somehow engineered so that it has a much longer endurance for the user. I'm just curious if that's something you talk about. We design the products to last a long time. And, but we know that some people do want the latest. Yes. Or want the latest every two years or four years or five years or whatever it might be. And so the, the, the thing that in addition to that that we do is we have built the uh, just a huge recyclability and trade-in kind of business right. where somebody can both from an environmental point of view feel good that their unit is going to be uh, refurbished and then resold and reused to extend the life of it even further or in the case that the phone is not working anymore and it can't be refurbished you can recycle the parts mm -hmm. and so recycle the material in it like the, the this latest iPhone uh, carbon free aluminum right it, it wasn't too long ago that people said this, this is not doable uh, using rare earths that have been recycled our, our objective uh, longer term is to not take anything from the earth at all to build a product and so we have several of these, I, I called them uh, person on the moon kind of objectives that are really hard, but we're making progress with them. And th they're essential to do in order to meet this 2030 objective. Mm -hmm. uh, so design them to last a very long time, but recognize that people are in different categories in terms of whether they want to use it, uh, whether they want the latest technology or not, but if they do, provide the system by which that product can continue to be used by someone else who doesn't necessarily value the, the latest, greatest thing. So we're trying to do, we're trying to, to recognize that there's both and give that person uh, sort of peace of mind, if you will that that phone can be used by somebody else uh, and they can still enjoy the, the latest stuff. Mm -hmm. and there's some things that you need uh, the latest processor for and uh, there's some software kind of innovations that are only possible on the latest hardware. And so there's always trade-offs that people make on these. But think about 10 years ago, we were shipping the iPhone 4. I still see iPhone 4s out there, 4 and 4Ss, I still see them. They can't run the latest software, right, because the latest software needs uh, hardware to push it. But these things are designed with really high quality bars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're talking about sort of higher purpose issues here, yeah. COVID, yeah. Um, the environment. The environment. You've spoken in the past with a lot of passion about why Apple has meant so much to you and, and coming here and feeling that this was a home for you because it was a, a place that had a higher purpose to yeah. serve humanity. I wonder if you look at recent history, maybe during your tenure as CEO, but even much more recent, if you were to pinpoint moments or a singular moment where you said, this is us doing that living up to that higher purpose. I don't know what stands out the most for you. Fortunately, I, I can do that a lot. Um, you know, some examples, the receiving the notes on the heart ailments from people who said, I would have died if not for this. Um, getting notes from uh, amateur photographers who 
all of a sudden felt they were a professional photographer because of the iPhone. Democratizing the these huge rigs that people would have, and still, and there's still a, a need for some of those in some places. But you've now got a professional camera in your pocket. It's it's also the how we conduct ourselves. So it's not just the what, but the how. The how meaning things like the environmental challenge that I I just talked about. Uh, we care deeply about the people who assemble our products. So we put an enormous focus on workers' rights and, and so forth. We believe that education is a great equalizer of people. And so we put a lot of energy in education and trying to deliver technology and uh, sort of a digital classroom instruction to kids that would not otherwise receive that. Uh, we saw privacy as a key issue in the, in the digital age way back decades mm -hmm. ago and began to, to build out um, tools and so forth where people could protect themselves from the, the data industrial complex, if you will, right? The how to us is really important. And then there's the, uh, Steve used to say, we're as proud of the things we don't do as we are of the things we do. And what he meant by that was, in order to do things at this kind of quality level and this quality level, you can only do a few of those, or we can only do a few of those anyway. And we've always been about making the best, not the most. And, 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 and so if you look at it, it's not because we don't have other ideas of products. It's because we say no a lot. Mm -hmm. We're not going to work on that. We're not going to work on that so that we can throw all of ourselves into the things that we are going to work on and not only the what but the how as well and, and the why. Right. The most important question of all is you're, we're always doing it to enrich somebody's life. It's not about enriching ourselves, it's about enriching somebody else. And we think if we do that right, then the company will do fine. Mm -hmm. And we'll be able to uh, take what we earn and invest in another round. I would think that there's a challenge that you have faced in your time in leadership here. If you were to step back and look <clears throat> at the arc of the narrative of Silicon Valley, where I think there was a point when maybe the world point of view was this is world changing stuff it's going to make the world great and easy and we're all going to be enriched and everything's going to work out peachy to a stage we feel now which is kind of deep into a backlash and you know a belief by many people that these things that silicon valley are creating are divisive destructive not healthy they you know they think they're doing one thing but really this isn't working out so well which goes, of course, counter to everything you just discussed. And I don't know if you feel that achieving that higher purpose is maybe harder now than it's ever been because of that larger environment or, or not. The, the challenge that we face is that um, some people see Silicon Valley as monolithic. And so, in particular, the larger companies, they sort of put in one bucket, if you will. Not everyone, but, but there's a fair number of people that, that do lump them together. Silicon Valley, it's done both internationally in places and it's done in the U.S. and in mm -hmm. places. And so the, the challenge that we have is to tell our story and to say what we're doing and how we're different. If, if you look at it, some of the big issues that are surrounding uh, tech today are the lack of responsibility taken on a platform about what happens. We clearly take responsibility. We make tough decisions. We make tough decisions to exclude things. Uh, because just like you decide what it is going to be in your magazine, and you don't take everything, right? You make tough, really tough decisions, and you have to say no. Uh, we have to do the same thing on our platform because we know that a platform is a great amplifier. And so you can be a great amplifier of misinformation, uh, of violence, uh, of a lot of different things out there. We don't want 
to be a part of any of this. We don't want to be a part of the hate at all. And I feel uh, by and large that we're, we've avoided that, mm -hmm. right? So that puts us in a different category. Uh, privacy, huge issue. Maybe, maybe next to climate change, the most important topic of the 21st century. And we're arguably in a very, very different place there. You know, we provide not only tools, but we go through extreme engineering in order not to collect a bunch of data, not to give the excuse of, oh, I've got to have all of this to do my job. Um, and so we just have to tell that story. And it, it, is, it is a challenge because the, the simplistic thinking just sort of uh, categories everybody together. Mm -hmm. And um, but fortunately, it's not the what we're doing or how we're doing it or why we're doing it. It's it's the separation from others who may not be answering those questions. Mm -hmm. Well, I think I, I want to circle back as I yeah. sort of come to the, yep. the the sort of main topic of my interest and in, in sort of where Outside Magazine gets particularly invested in, in some of this, which is, you know, that, that issue of disconnecting. Because, you know, you talked about the, the main issues of the 21st century. I would say one of the things that really pops up for me is that question. And, yep. and it makes me think about, you know, I, I've heard you speak about, again, your early days at Apple. And, and you arrived here at a very interesting time. Yeah. You know, late 90s, or mid to late 90s, you know, Steve Jobs just back at the company. Yeah. Uh, company's in a bit of turmoil, business-wise, and the Think Different campaign is going on. And so the, the most radical people at the company the, with the boldest ideas, they're the ones that Steve Jobs is trying to spur to push their ideas forward. And some amazing things have come out of that. Really, yeah. it's incredible. There's a part of me that feels like perhaps the most radical, bold thing you could do is make that commitment to disconnecting mm. just an absolute top priority. Because I think there are so many wonderful benefits of these technologies, and you spoke to them. I mean, they literally save people's lives. And they do, during COVID, they have helped us connect in ways, yeah. thank God for them, really. You know, But there is this flip side, which is these technologies pull us out of these moments when we could be in a beautiful national park, or they pull us out of these moments when we're with the people we love and somehow we're drawn to this device because the device is so well made and it's a platform for these incredible apps that really have a way of grabbing our attention like nothing we've experienced before. And so I wonder what you think of that proposal, mm. that that commitment could be top, top commitment among everything else because at least from the user point of view, clearly with screen time and other mm. developments, you're very aware of it, and you personally are very aware of it. But it's such a challenge for mm -hmm. so many millions of your users that I wonder if, if that's something that could rise even higher. Well, we take the challenge to continue innovating in that space, just like we take the challenge to keep innovating in, the, in each of the product categories that we're in. Uh, my, my simple rule is if you're looking at your device more than you're looking in somebody's eyes, you're doing the wrong thing. Uh, just very s simple. And there, I, I recognize that there are people, many people who are doing that. Mm -hmm. And some number of those are unhappy that they're doing it, and some number of those that are not. And what, where we've placed our energy thus far is on making people aware, not playing the heavy hand to tell them what's good for them, right? But making them aware. And if they're a parent, giving them tools to control. But there's no doubt in my mind that we will go further here, that we'll discover more, that we'll innovate more. Um, there's no doubt. Mm -hmm. And again, I wonder if maybe your point of view and Apple's point of view is changing all this. I think of a, there was a commercial for the, I think, I believe it was the Series 3 Apple Watch that I remember well where a surfer was catching a wave. Yeah. A great commercial, right? And she's dropping in, she gets a beautiful ride, and right at this wonderful moment of the wave, her watch rings with a phone call. Right. And the, the, you know, the advertisement was like, look, isn't this amazing? You can get a phone call while catching a wave. And of course, my reaction was like, 
that's not amazing. Leave me alone. I'm catching a wave. And so I wonder, again, there is there is an arc to this. There's a there's a moment where we're early on, we're so excited about the connectivity we have. And then there's the, the maturation of that. Our teenage years is where we are. If you think of the iPhone at being 13, where you start to realize, okay, the connectivity is great, but boy, you better learn how to balance it or you're going to be an irresponsible adult. And so I just wonder if you see that as not only a technological and innovation challenge, but one where there has been an ongoing shift of culture even here at Apple. I think that we've learned that some of our users are not happy with the amount of time that they invest in their device. And so our response was, let's figure out a way to help them. Let's put all of our energy into to figuring out how to help them. And out of that pops parental controls because some people are, are more anxious about their kids. Mm -hmm. The truth is uh, they should also be anxious about themselves. And so we gave them screen time as well. And screen time is for kids and for, in, and for adults. And there's, there's no doubt that we will do more. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt we'll push forward for, for more. Mm -hmm. um, we, we also, fundamentally different, we don't design things to grab your attention. We don't design things to, to become habitual in some kind of way. We don't design things where we say, our objective is to keep you X hours per day on our property. We, we design things so that they're simple and elegant and easy to use and fast, right? You want to take a photo? We, we, can, we can take your photo really quickly, right? You know, and you want some information on your watch that's glanceable, just put those in, in complications. And like this, you can see what it is you, that you need to see. You want to only get that phone call when you're surfing from one individual or two individuals. Right. You can do that. Yeah. I th sometimes I think yeah. the challenge is it, it's on the user to get better at, at using that. And that, you know, my example from earlier, like, I forgot to turn off Do Not Disturb. And that's, yeah. I think that's the challenge. There's part of this is on all of us, a big part of it, you know. Yes, but it's on us to provide the tools. Mm -hmm. It's on us to provide the tools. Because, we, again, we take responsibility for how people are using our products. And we want to help people use them in the best possible way for themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So as we kind of wrap up here, I guess I'm curious to hear when you look forward here at Apple, where your passions and excitement just raise to the highest level. When, when you think about what might be coming, or you know what, what's coming, but when you think it both near, and it could be farther out, when you see something you're reaching for here, where you go back to that idea of that higher purpose, yeah. and the possibilities that are there that you can imagine coming to fruition in the years to come at this moment in time where we have a lot of challenges, are there any of those that, that really stand out? Really there are so out? many, to be honest with you. I think that we're on the front end of many things. Uh, we're on the front end of AR. Uh, AR is exciting to me because unlike VR that, that becomes all-encompassing, AR allows us to have a conversation and it can become even a livelier conversation because you might, you might be talking about something that was in the magazine and we could just pull it up and look at it, mm -hmm. right? So it enhances us. It doesn't get in the way of us. I'm excited about the democratization of health because I see that one of the issues with healthcare is inherently we've all outsourced the way we feel to our doctor. And I don't believe that model is going to get us to where we want to go. I think we have to take responsibility, but in order for us to take responsibility, we need information. And we need, you know, and, 
this is our current entry in doing that, yeah. the watch. But that, that has a long future ahead of it. And I'm excited about other things I don't want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what I thought you'd say. Well, I've really appreciated talking to you about all of this. This has been great. It's a really nice office you got here uh, that does look quite a bit like a national park. Uh, and I'm glad to hear that you, even as busy as you are, do make a commitment to get outside and oh, to get away from it all because it's hard. It is hard, but it is the palate cleanser for the mind. Yeah. And it is the, the thing that I can do to feel a part of something larger. You know, I feel that about working here. I even feel that more when I go out in nature. Yeah. And I'm still working through my National Park list. You've probably gone to every one of them. Uh, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Unfortunately, these days I feel like I'm doing a lot of working inside for outside. So. Yeah. That's how but it this goes. too shall pass. I hope so. It will pass. Right. Thank you so much. Steve. Yeah, great. Really seeing appreciate it. It's a pleasure. You can read my feature story on Tim Cook's ambitions for Apple's future in health and fitness in the winter issue of Outside Magazine, out early next year. By the way, a subscription to Outside Magazine makes a great holiday gift. Outside podcast listeners can order gift subscriptions at a discounted rate for a limited time at outsideonline.com backslash holiday 2020. This episode was produced by me, Michael Roberts. Our music is by Robbie Carver. Thanks to the team at Apple for their logistical support and for recording the conversation. We'll be back next week.